a poop and pee. Poop and pee. Okay. Yeah. Just 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 so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Milk, milk, lemonade. Round the corner, fudge is made. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music, and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where we get into a different album every week by a different band or artist, whatever, and we break down the album. We, uh, we, we find out things about the album we've never heard of, you've never heard of. We, we know all the secrets. We're secret <laughs> So, uh, So go to <laughs> iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And um, honestly, I... I don't know. I got I got nothing else intro wise. So, what's what are we doing today, Jeff? Uh, Sugar Ray's first album, Lemonade and Brownies. Sugar Ray formed in Newport Beach, California in 1986 by Rodney Shepard on guitar, Stan Frazier on drums, Mark McGrath on vocals, and Murphy Cargis on bass. They currently have seven full-length records, two compilations, and have sold many millions of copies worldwide. But the album we're doing today is Lemonade and Brownies. It's the first album from the band, and it was released April 4th, 1995. It features the original lineup of the band with DJ Lethal covering all the DJ stuff on this record. Now, Jeff... What are your what is what is your origin story with um, with Sugar Ray, and, uh, and then we'll get into the album itself. What do you got? 
Okay. Well, uh, I think my origin story is probably Fly. I uh, I don't remember the video. And I mean, when I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, now I remember it. But like before I watched, rewatched it, I, I didn't really remember it. So I think probably like my true, my true intro that really got me hooked was, was, uh, 1459 was the, was the bangers from there. And, um, that's why I tried to get it from the Columbia house penny, uh, record thing, you know, Columbia record thing. And I just remember having that thing for so fucking long and dude, I, I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't know when I started thinking that that Sugar Ray was really good to the point where I should go back and listen to their first two because it wasn't until probably like around after high school did I go back and listen to their first two albums. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until like way later. But I've always liked 1459 and I've always liked how like aggressive and fast and cool they were. So I don't know why I never went back. I think because Fly was was like the biggest hit and I, th- I thought there's just yeah. no way that they can do anything that good so that's, <laughs> that's probably why but you know whatever i digress and i just um dude i love 1459 and i, I just i i love i love talking to people about music random people and then bringing up 1459 and sugar ray and having people scoff and laugh and ridicule and then i drop some drop some knowledge because i love college on top of their heads uh. And just Remember, destroy them. That's that's kind of what happened when uh, when we had friend of the pod Dane when he came on the on the podcast. Yeah, it was like I think maybe the it might have been the first time he ever came. No, it wasn't the first. It was the second time he ever came on the pod. And uh, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna do Sugar A. You know, if you don't want to do it, you know, that's fine. We'll do something else. I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. They kind of suck, but I'll give it a shot. He ended up loving it. Never hearing fourteen fifty nine before, he ended up. It, we totally converted him into a, a sugar <laughs> Raymond. It was great. It was fantastic. It's, it's just people totally brush this band off, and it sucks. Kind of, I mean, kind of like I don't, I don't fault anybody for brushing this band off, though. Like it's, it's they're an easy band to brush off. They for sure are. And Mark McGrath is just, dude, he's a dork. He's, you know what I mean? Like he's, just, he's a pretty face, and just. Like just doing so many things outside of it, and like working for E. I, th- I think I think it was E that he worked for. No, he was on uh, Access Hollywood. Access Hollywood. That's not that's not on the E channel. No, that was on um, that was on network TV. I think it was Channel Four. I think it was Channel Four. Then you got your you got your channels down, dude. I used to watch all that shit. So that's good. I, that's, I used to be I used to be good. like into the, all the the celebrity gossip shit back in Oof. like high school and stuff. So okay, dumb. hey, that's all right. Yeah. It's it's all that hard work literally just served its purpose right now. <laughs> all that hard work just paid off, so that's good. At least there's that. But yeah, dude, they're an easy yeah. band to brush off for sure. Like Mark McGrath is, he's like he's like your typical rock star turned like talk show host, right? Yeah, no, that's like, very dude. True. He's like the poster child for it. this band is super easy to brush off. I I, I get why people did it. It's uh, it's just a shame that they didn't market their early music as well as they did their later music. Very true. Very true. Okay, so my uh, my my origin story, like you, is Fly. I remember hearing that on on Kiss FM. It was when I used to listen to Kiss FM exclusively when I was a kid, and uh, yeah, it was just I remember just being instantly hooked. And 
just I, re- I remember never hearing anything like that in my life and just i remember being blown away as a as a kid i was like fucking when did that album come out 96 97 so i was eight or nine years old and i just i loved it i was so obsessed with it and then it got to the point where i i recorded i remember i recorded the song off the radio and i just would listen to it on a cassette tape just on repeat just that fucking song on repeat and then when 1459 came out i remember i bought that cd but i i, I only ever listened to the hits on that like you i only ever listened to every morning and someday and that was it and then it wasn't until after high school you were the one who showed me aim for or you you were like oh yeah let's listen to sugar and i'm like oh you're an idiot <laughs> and then you threw on aim for me and then i was i was hooked i'm like what the fuck what what is this shit that they used to do and what then, is sure this enough, magic <laughs> what is this magic i was just blown away by aim for me but yeah so that this this band they are just a true gem a true underrated forgotten gem and I think they're great. And this, this album, well, we're doing lemonade and brownies, which we haven't even touched upon, but like we were talking about during the album rankings, floored and 1459 are just amazing records. And lemonade and brownies is equally as good. It's just, it's different than those two records. Cause it's strictly like, well, no, it's not strictly heavy music, but you could tell it's, it's a band's first record. Yeah. You could tell it's their first record. I should say. Yes. So, and that, and that's not, that's not demeaning it or that's not me talking shit on the record. Cause it's, it's a really good record. Lemonade and Brownies is a solid record. Stupid fucking name, but still good. Still good. That, that's, that's referencing like, like butts and peepees, right? Like a poop and pee. Poop and pee. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, so, just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Milk, milk, lemonade. Round the corner fudge is made. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> oh, oh God. Okay. Here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, here we are. Fucking mature people. Yes, I mean, if it's funny, it's funny. What are you going to do? You know, it's you true. Can't, you can't true. make it not funny. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, let, let, before we get into our, our stinkers or bangers, let's, um, let's start this off by saying that DJ Lethal from House of Pain and Limp Bizkit produced this record. That is insane to me. I had no idea until recently that that he had done that. I I and had no idea either. That's it's so rad. That was like another so just cool. like cool bomb that dropped. And not only like did he produce it, but he he was in the band. Like he was their DJ because Craig didn't join until like I said, a lot of these songs were already either done or mostly mm-hmm. written. So a lot of the scratching that we hear on the album is is DJ Lethal. Yeah, most of it's lethal, and then he—I know Craig is credited on some songs, but for the most part, yeah, it was all—it was all lethal on this. And then watching the um, watching Murphy's YouTube channel, which we discovered today, uh, I noticed him talking a lot about lethal and like how much he he was a part of the whole process, and that's really cool too. Like how hands-on he was and how much he believed in this band, and I thought that was really cool, really really cool, because he came up with. Or he brought to the table a lot of like um, the the looping bass lines, really catchy looped bass lines, and I I didn't know that. I thought it was all like Murphy, but there are a couple songs that Murphy didn't even play the bass on. It was just a loop. So yeah, that was cool. Thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, dude, like DJ Lethal. So like this was this was ninety five, and then mm-hmm. like the House of Pain stuff and the Limp Biscuit stuff. So like DJ Lethal had. He had House of Pain under his belt already, and then 
the when, when he, hadn't, did, he hadn't joined Biscuit yet. I think Biscuit, their first record came out in '97, right? Yeah, three dollar bill, and he. He was he joined the band when they were making that record. I think I don't think he was in the band before. Okay, so then he, the only thing he had was just Everlast, and then he did uh, that House of Pain. Which I mean, the House of Pain is essentially like what made DJ Lethal, you know, huge. Yeah, and whatnot. Besides Limp Biscuit. <laughs> well, yeah, and Cypress Hill stuff, and every there's a lot. That he's been he's been around, and he's done a lot of cool things. But it's just like you said, it's just cool that he saw he saw something in this. And this group of kids, I mean, I shouldn't even call them kids. They're like in their late 20s here. This, yeah. this, that, that also surprised me too. I expected their first album to be like they're in their early 20s and that's why it's so raw and stripped down. <laughs> no. But like they're in like their late 20s. And so I thought that was kind of funny. And uh, when you think about interesting. it, the band started in 1986. So it took almost 10 years for their first record to come out. To come out not to come I, out, I to can come out. definitely see why. I can definitely see... Not that they're bad, but I just think that there was probably no direction for this band whatsoever. There was yeah, no leader. Idea. There was nobody to say, hey, let's buckle down. Much like our band, when we started like really recording and practicing, there was like zero direction. Nobody really wanted to like buckle down and, and, and say, like, hey, we, we rented this rehearsal studio. Let's practice. Let's rehearse. It was just mm-hmm. always fun, which, you know, it was cool. And like we had great times doing it. I think that's what this band is like. And that's what this album yeah. essentially is. And yeah, that and then just touring with like a bunch of cool bands at the time, you know, Deftones, Korn. I'm sure they toured with House of Pain. That's how they got to know DJ Lethal because I know Korn used to open up for House of Pain. So I'm sure they met DJ Lethal through Korn throughout through that. So it's like, dude, they used to tour with a lot of rad bands back in the day. Dude, not just in the metal realm too. Like, don't forget, they, they toured with Goldfinger. They toured with yeah, Say Ferris. True. They toured with so many fucking bands that are, are the opposite of metal. And it's like, these guys could do anything. Like they could, they were probably really fun to be around. They played music that was really cool and really accessible to everybody. So they could mm-hmm. kind of like go in between all of these different circles. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, I've noted, I noticed especially on this record there are a ton of influences from other bands, like very notable bands, oh, yeah. almost to the point of like, are they ripping them off? I, they're, they're, they're really writing that line of ripping off another band or just, you know, being inspired by another band. Yes, absolutely. Even, even the, in, in one of the, one of the videos that, um, that Murphy did, Mur- I, yeah. I like saying his name as Murphy cause it, it reminds me of Robocop, Murphy, Murphy. <laughs> And that's but, but his what, actual fucking name. Yeah, <laughs> one of the ones he does. He's uh, it's for Meme Machine actually. Now we're now we can talk about the the one we just oh played. the title track. Yeah, yeah. So he said that he track, he kind of at first he was like oh I ripped off this riff, but then I kind of was inspired by it. But it was a butthole surfer song, and the song is uh, who who was in my room last night from mm-hmm. one of the, like their fifth, fourth or fifth album or something like that. And if you listen to the song. Like the riff is very, very similar. It's not like identical, but damn, they're similar. But like if I heard one or the other, unless I was a huge Butthole Surfer fan or a huge Sugar Ray fan, like I don't know if I would make that connection. Yeah. But when listening to them back to back, it's there. It's pretty it obvious. Is fucking there. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But that's not the only a, thing. Like I can hear a lot of Slash too. A lot of Slash style on this record. Like that. And that's one that flashy kind of i don't know what just like a, a lot of the the hammer-ons on the lower on the lower strings you know what i mean because he does do a lot of hammer-ons 
but he does but the way slash plays like they're hammer-ons but they're very like smooth and they're they're good transition parts i don't know it, i can't even explain the style that i'm but yeah i mean I it's, it's it's uh it's something to be said that all of these guys are pretty good like they're all pretty good at their instruments and yeah like i've always thought that they were that they were at least pretty good because some bands are just like okay they're fine they're fine mm-hmm. like you know throw them and throw them with any other band and throw them in a jam sesh with somebody good they're gonna they're gonna drown but i think like i don't know if you threw if you threw any maybe not mark mcgrath because he's a singer it's a different context but if you threw any of these dudes into like a jam sesh with the greats just any greats i think they mm-hmm. could at least hold their ground if not I for a so little too. bit yeah I think so too, and that's that's something to be said too. Because I, like Murphy, watching his videos, and uh, again, he's had a lot of time to practice and, and hone his craft in the ensuing decades. But like, dude, he's really fucking good. And but he teaches now, and he's he's at his own thing. And like I said, he's been practicing for thirty years. But true. But then, like watching the live stuff that he does, and he talked he talked a lot about how he would change different riffs and how he would add little flares and things when they did it live. And I was just like, dude, that like, wow, that's so fucking cool. Adding that one little note, adding that one little hammer or pulling off or cutting that a little bit short. Like, fuck, that is so good. Yeah. He, I noticed that too in the videos. He talks about it so much. And then what's cool about his videos is he'll, he'll do a playthrough of it. He'll talk before and after, and then he'll do a playthrough. And then sometimes he'll talk while he's playing as well. But then he, he'll be playing something and then he'll do a fill that's not in the song. He's like, oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I that's what we. That's normally what we did live. Yeah, that's not what I did on the record. It was like every song there would be multiple instances where he would just go, "Oh shit!" Like I, I, I don't normally play that, or I didn't play that on the record. That's just how I'm used to playing it. It's just and and it sounds so good. Like it just sounds really good. He knows he's a solid bass player, and I never really gave him the time of day. You know, prior to recently, I guess you know I. Just thought he was on a whatever bassist, and then watching these videos, especially today, like it gave me a, a whole new respect for the guy because he, he just seems so cool, so down to earth, good bass player, and he just he just looks so fondly on the times of this era, and that's just so cool. Like he doesn't he doesn't make it like a nostalgia trip. He just is like, oh yeah, this is what we were doing, this is what we were thinking, this is how it goes, this is what we're. It's just like he's so nonchalant and cool. Dude, like and then him. if you notice, like all of the comments that people will post on his on his videos, I mean, I only watched for this album and then fly, but he responded to every single one. I know, right? Every well, single one have, he responded yeah. to. He doesn't have like a ton of comments, but I mean, it's right. still he, he doesn't need to do that. Yeah, and even so. like I was watching a different video, and I think it, I don't know. I, I was watching something else about Sugar, like a live performance or something, and somebody had said. So, something a little kind of like snotty about like, man, I, I wish you guys wouldn't have sold out or whatever. And then he mm-hmm. even commented on that. And he's like, Hey man, like, I'm sorry you feel that way. That really sucks. Like this band's really cool. And then he's like, I should know. I I was the bass player for like 25 years. And I was like, Oh damn. <laughs> like you got him good there. That was good. I, I, I enjoyed that, but you're right. He's very, he's very humble. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's very humble. And like, to be honest, this band, this band's first three records should be, exponentially more popular than they are. And this record is in particular got shit on like a lot. Oh, totally. And it sucks. And it, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. I, th- I think like the concept and the tone just completely went over people's heads. 
Yeah. And it, it, I was looking at like the, the ratings on Wikipedia of the other records and their self-titled record got better ratings than floored and, and lemonade and brownies. That fucking self-titled record. Like, that maybe it just makes no sense. Makes what are you doing out sense. here? That that just like that speaks to me that Atlantic is like paying people money, paying kickbacks, to to write just good reviews. Because there's no fucking way. Like objectively speaking, there is just no fucking way. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, mean machine. Gosh. Mean machine. Mean machine. Yes. Mean Machine is my one banger, my top, my top banger. This is my second favorite Sugar Ray song. Really? Wait, what's your? Oh, Aim for Me is your number one. Aim that's for right. Me is my favorite. Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, that's fave, right. Fave, fave, fave. fave, fave, fave. Oh, well, Mean Machine is my also my one B. So we we actually agree. It's just look at that, dude. It's truly <laughs> untouchable. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking good. And I had never even seen the video until this week. I haven't either. You know, I, I heard about it though because Mark McGrath was on uh, Chris Demake's podcast talking about every morning, and uh, and they were talking about this particular video and how less than Jake ripped it off, or yeah, less less than Jake ripped this video off from Sugar Ray, and they didn't even know it. But apparently, like the director was knew about this video, so like the director ripped it off, but neither band knew about it until more recently. Very interesting. Yeah, that's kind of like a weird bridge between the two bands, right? It's super weird. But anyone out there listening to this pod, you should go listen to that episode that Mark McGrath did because it was really, it was really interesting because he had he had a lot to say about the songwriting of not just Every Morning but also Fly and that that era of the band and kind of when the band was blowing up and kind of like the the dynamics within the band. It was it was a cool conversation, really cool conversation. I really need to listen to that too. Now thinking something a little bit different about Mark McGrath and I have like, in it'll the previous make you, years. This is what made me want to do Sugar Ray on the pod was because I listened to that episode with Mark McGrath and I'm like, dude, this guy is like so full of energy and so positive and so like, but not like, not like fake positive like John Feldman is. Like he like just seems like just a really cool dude and just really fun to hang out with. And he, and the guy's like super knowledgeable too and about music in general. He's Mark, Mark McGrath is a cool dude. He seems really, really cool. I've always thought he was cool too until this week. This week like really made me like question everything that I've always loved about Mark McGrath and it was just I don't, honestly that, man that go one go listen to that episode. Go listen to that episode cuz and then he talks about like how, you know, a lot of the recordings of Florida and 1459 were based off of Sublime and and like every morning or not every morning. Fuck. It might have been every morning. But that song was like based off of what I got because it's the same producer cuz they use the same producer uh, as Sublime used for for the self titled record, so a lot of, there's a lot of Sublime influence in that because of who they worked with, and he talks about like the similarities between the two songs, what I got, and Every Morning. It's a really cool, really really cool conversation. That's so that's funny too that you, that you say like the Sublime thing because in the video for Fly, uh, Murphy talks about how before they even like were in the rehearsal studio, he had him and uh, I think Rodney had purchased sublime's record that came out which at the time was probably fucking it was probably no it was probably robin the hood or at least 40 ounces yeah it probably was maybe robin the hood but for sure 40 ounces but they they both like purchased it and they were listening to a lot of sublime and they they were thinking like like just that's easy music that's not like easy to play it's just it's easy to listen to 
It calms yeah. you down. It's, it, you don't have to put a lot of thought into it. You can kind of just let it flow at its own pace. And that was kind of the inspiration for Fly was Sublime. And then kind of like the animosity within the group and the uncertainty, I guess, rather than animosity, the uncertainty of their future. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of interesting. It totally is. Oh, man. It's good stuff. So let, let's get back to Mean Machine. We mean keep, Machine. We keep Dude, going off track here. But basic whatever. chord progression, right? Just fucking... <laughs> yeah do the same thing over and over cool riff and mm-hmm. like apparently in, in their live shows they would just they would kind of like goof around with that chord progression they would they would slow it down they would quiet things up and that would be the time for them to really let loose and yeah. interact with the crowd and do crazy things and just be fun <laughs> they were a fun band <laughs> they really really honestly were god damn it's so good uh, but and and you know even even parts of the song can be very cheesy, but for whatever reason they work. Like the the gang vocals, they they shouldn't work, but for whatever reason, in in the context of this song, it just it sounds solid. It just sounds like dudes having a great time. The energy is all there. It's the energy that really speaks volumes here. I, don't I know. it's good. I I think so too. I I think like this song is just it's it's so basic and it's. It's so back and forth between just just being like cheesy and being a true, really well written song. Like I don't, I don't even know which one it is to be honest. It's just it's one of the yeah. two, but it's like the little it's the little things like like when when, when they yell "powered up" after like <laughs> one of the they powered up and then it goes yeah. back and da 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 like it's so stupid and <laughs> like even 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 Murphy could barely even play it like it was too fast and it's just like that's that's cool man like you don't need to be such a great musician you know to play really cool licks and really cool riffs like, even if you can't play it that well as long as you can play it like one time and everybody thinks it's cool like that's you just made something cool like that's that's yeah, awesome exactly. run with it play it who cares if it sounds like shit just fucking play it mm-hmm. man it's oh, so good and this the video the video is an absolute perfect video not only <laughs> is it just it's like so a, fun not only is it just like a perfect like like time capsule of that era of that time of like the mid nineties, but everything they do in there is exactly what anybody who's ever been in any kind of band would do the same thing. And at one point the drummer, he's falling over his bass drum and then someone <laughs> off screen, probably Mark keeps sticking the hockey stick up his butt, like shoving it in there over and over. It's so fucking childish. It is. But would you but do any different? What do we do? I know seriously, all of us, all of us would have done that at some point in time, you know. It's just you see an opportunity to do something wildly inappropriate like that. You gotta you take it. it. You gotta do it. You, I mean, <laughs> even to this day, we all do it to each other. Like we, I'm not even gonna say the stupid shit that we do to each other, but it's just Dude, like I, I, I still make fart noises when people bend over. Like I, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> but I was, I was even gonna say like the like the the couch thing. Like you 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 know somebody's gonna sit down oh, and yeah. put your hand there with your fingers up and it's just like it's it's not even funny it's just like it's so childish and so stupid because <laughs> it's so dumb but it gets the laugh every time every time oh it's so good i'll never stop no never 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 uh <laughs> I love this song so much. It's so fucking good. And just like the drum roll in too, in the very beginning, it just starts with a drum roll. Like, dude, I mm-hmm. love drum rolls. You got to love drum rolls. You love drum rolls and chicka chickas. And chicka chickas. I even love the drum chicka chickas too. The oh my God. Drum chickas, guitar chickas. 
Oh, bass this, chickens, you know? This song's perfect. <laughs> it really is. And I, I will say, though, I was a little bit disappointed in the lyrics on this entire record. I don't know why I thought it would be something <laughs> different. I, I don't know. But yeah, the, the lyrics are they're whatever. I don't know. The lyrics here are kind of dumb. It's about him just like loving his car, I guess. Yeah, and he had just, a cool car. It's very, 19, it's very 1950s and drag racing with your buddies and enemies, I guess you could say. But Dude, I don't when know. You have, when you have a cool car... You gotta, you know, you you gotta love it. Yeah, and then it's funny you say that too because, like, in uh, in one of Murphy's videos, when he's talking about the skit song on the record, he he just keeps talking about his 1968 Mustang. So it's like clearly like these guys were into that lifestyle, and at least Murphy was. But yeah, Dude, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's long, it's slick, and it's olive green. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's it's a it's a great song. So, um, do you do we have anything else on that one? Or no, we, we can move on from that one. Do you have, do you have any stinkers on this album? No, I don't have any stinkers. Okay. Do you have okay songs? I have seven bangers. Let's just say that. Okay, I think I got about seven too. Actually, I got seven bangers. Not to say that the rest are bad or I mean they're better than good. They're great. Yeah, but they're just not like certified bangers. They're not CBs. That's right. what they are. They're not so. Um, and you're, you're on the same boat as me. I actually have seven bangers. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So then what do you got for your 2B? Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. See, the problem with doing on my computer is now I got to use my little, you know, the wheel and the mouse. Oh, that's so hard. I got to use that rather than my finger. It's like instantaneous because all the words are smaller, but now I do it on my computer Mm. and it's taking me longer to scroll through things. I don't, where's my 2B? I don't know where your two B's. Oh, let's go oh there it is. There it is. There it is. I found oh. it. Go ahead, though. You want to do yours? Do yours. No, no, no. Good. No, you already found it. Two uh, B, which I thought was going to have more comments on his video, but it did not. But Big mm-hmm. Black Woman is my two B. That is a solid one. That was. I wanted to put that one higher, but I just couldn't. I I thought for sure when we got to this, or when I got to this one, I was like, dude, this is. There's going to be so many people commenting that this is an incredibly problematic song title story but there's only one there's only, only one, one yeah i noticed yeah. that i i literally did the same thing as you I, I immediately went to the comments to see what people had to say and there was only one person who who said that you know this is a a homophobic and racist song so yeah which is i mean, I mean it's 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 a of little its time bit. it's it it's i yeah. mean mark mcgrath has grown as a person this this so this song supposedly is is it was written mark told a story about being hit on by a transvestite and that's how mm-hmm. this song was born. Yes. That's like that's that's pretty much it. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not terrible, it's not too problematic. It's of its time. Mark has grown as a person. So I think it's great that we can still like listen to a song like this cuz it is a fucking banger. It's a it's a damn fine punker song. It is. It's a great punk song. Dude, everyone's really, so really fast, good. so crisp. Oh. Even uh, even Murphy when he was doing the playthrough, he's like, "Yeah, I he was he was constantly saying like yeah I'm, I'm, I I can't really play that fast anymore my hand hurts my wrist hurts he's, yeah he's he said his wrist it. hurt right didn't he like like yeah. move his wrist around like it hurt him like physically after, hurt after him. he finished yeah after he finished <laughs> the playthrough he's like yeah my my right hand my right wrist hurts from playing all the strumming yeah love it and then, people are and then even even after he did the the playthrough he was like yeah I got this part wrong so he like goes and plays it really quick like, like just to make sure he could remember it. It's like I don't know. It was, it was cool. And Murphy's so he's my favorite member now. 
after watching after watching yeah. all these videos, he's my favorite member for sure. He just, he just seems like even now he's just like you said he's not like reliving that. He's just kind of like I don't know reminiscing on the good times and then but, trying yeah, but to bring like it to a, a wider way. audience. Yeah, yeah, and he's not being like weird or nost- or like a weirdly nostalgic. Weirdly nostalgic. He's not. He's it. not pining. He, you know, he's he's not yeah. wishing that he was still back in those days. He's he's accepting of where he is, and he's like, yeah, we had a good time. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, we drank a lot of Budweiser. I don't remember what song he was talking about. He's like, yeah, we just we had a lot of Budweiser, and uh, it was good. It was a good time. It was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, I think it was Caboose because Caboose, the video for it? Caboose, got him like signed, and they had went to like after Caboose, they went to some some bar in like in like Costa Mesa. And they got like a pitcher of beer and then they were like, wow, we just got signed. We can afford like Budweiser now instead of what they were drinking beforehand, probably like <laughs> Mickey's or something. But, they, but, you know, being like poor or whatever. They, 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 I don't think they're ever really poor, but like yeah. getting a bunch of money. I mean, come on. They, they grew up in Newport Beach. Yeah, seriously. So definitely not poor. I mean, but honestly, who knows? Newport Beach in the 80s, 70s and 80s. It could have been. I just kind of like I, the poor I, I don't think they were poor because as awesome as it is, they had a lot of help from their family. Like mm-hmm. their their parents kicked in a lot like financially and like connections. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of how they got started. Like how they got started to get their even that that uh that video cuz they filmed the video for Caboose. And Wait, there's a video for Caboose? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even watch it. Shit. It's it's not even like an official video. It's an it's a video for Caboose done by uh what's their name? Shrinky Dinks. Yeah, that's that was the original name of Sugar. It was Shrinky Dinks. Yeah, so Shrinky Dinks did a video for Caboose and then that video is essentially just Mean Machine, like the same hockey rink, like everything's mm, the same. Okay. Very very similar. Very fun. And like a friend of a friend brought it to Doug Morris, who Doug Morris was like an exec at Warner Music at the time. And like Doug Morris saw the video and was like, holy shit, let's sign these guys. Which I always <laughs> think is weird too when you get these like these suits who probably grew mm-hmm. up listening to, you know, like fucking the Beatles and like the Beach Boys and they they hear this and they say, yeah. hey, let's sign them a seven record deal. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Wait, wait, no, they really signed a seven record deal? I think at first they signed a seven record deal. Yeah. Oh my god, that is insanity. Yeah. What? That's it's like I mean maybe like in the the sixties and seventies that was acceptable, but you know you're in the nineties now. Like this is twenty years later. The, the, these guys aren't CCR pumping out three records a year for six years. You know it's like, hey, seven <laughs> seven contract deal or seven album deal is insane. But I just I. I don't know. I that that's that to me is weird. I don't know. Maybe maybe he saw yeah. something. You know, they're still a little bit young, but they're old enough. I don't know. I don't know. That's. I, I mean, I, but that's it really, enough. any band like I. That's a huge gamble on any band, regardless of who it is. Even like the greats. Like even I mean, even like somebody like Sabbath, like signing a seven year seven album deal with a band like Sabbath. I mean, look look what they've did did over over seven albums. It, the band was imploding by the end of it. They fired Ozzy and like no band can do a seven album deal. That's that's insanity to me. I mean, maybe I he saw. I mean, Corn had what? They had one or two albums in '95. By '95, Corn only had one. Okay, so like new metal was like really exploding and getting huge, and maybe he thought like at best I'll get three new metal albums from these guys, and then they'll move on to something else, and I'll get four more 
other things that will essentially pay for whatever I gave them. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, Corn. Maybe you're right. Yeah, Corn had just blown up with their first record. Deftones had just put out their first record. And they were blowing up too. And obviously Sugar Ray was touring with them. Sepultura was kind of, you know, on the rise. And then they put out the Roots album a year after this. So they were like, I don't know. Yeah, New Metal was really on the rise back then. And Rob Zombie and White Zombie, thinking about that too. Because they're, like, there are parts of Mean Machine that remind me a lot of Rob Zombie, early Rob Zombie. I don't know if you picked up on that, but like the some of the some of the, I don't know some of the tones the poppiness me a lot of, Rob of it yeah maybe the poppiness yeah because it is kind of like a poppy alt metal song like it's yeah it's there it did remind me it did remind me parts of it reminded me of Rob Zombie but I don't know new metal yeah, well, my num- an interesting genre my number two is Big Black Woman. It's a damn fine punker song. The vocals reminded me a lot of Les Claypool too. Like the way he sang. Like this is just one of mm-hmm. the many people that I thought he is trying to emulate. And one, the vocal here was Les Claypool. Yeah, it, it's like it's the when he's doing that that kind of like twangy sound. Yeah, during, exactly. Jay was a race car driver <laughs> type of sound, yeah. Or like a lot of what Les Claypool does in Primus. Yeah. He does a lot of <laughs> it's like he's not even saying words he's like twanging he's like twang scatting or something i don't know what yeah fuck. no that's that's perfect twang scat <laughs> but but anyway yeah no the song was great and then uh you know watching what murphy was talking about the song they they had actually recorded this song live in the studio so like no no i guess no real overdubs were done on it and they actually recorded this in a different studio than the rest of the record so i guess they recorded this song and then the the secret song what was it ever was a cowboy was the song I job for a cowboy it. job for a cowboy yeah so yeah. they they recorded those two songs kind of like on the fly they didn't they, they didn't really put much you know time or thought into those songs and just did them at a random studio and that's what this song was and i thought that was super fucking cool yeah. super super cool so there you go um i mean we touched upon the lyrics on that one right all right, should I play a little bit of this song? Yeah. Big Black Woman? Okay. Sure. Oh, also, real quick, this song was also originally titled, um, wait, fuck, what was it called? What was the? I think it was Big Butt Woman. Big Butt Woman. That's yeah, what it Big was originally called. Yeah. So here's the here's the, the finished song, though. Um, Big Black Woman by uh, Sugar Ray.
There you go. Big Black Woman from The Sugar Rays. So good. That, Such a good song. That bluesy wail at the end, that Big Black Woman <laughs> was Rodney. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, that was so good. So you good. Know you know what's cool about this band is in their early days, like they didn't, they had roles, but they weren't, they weren't like uh, they weren't set in stone. Mark wasn't just the singer. Ronnie wasn't just the guitarist. You know, like everybody mm-hmm. switched it up all the time. And That's they had, true. they had a drummer and they had a DJ player. And a lot of times the DJ would would throw loops out that were drum parts. And there are a couple songs on here that uh, the beginning drums are played by Stan, but then they're just looped. Mm-hmm. looped by the dj so it's really cool that everybody can just be okay with with you know taking like a back seat i'm the bass player but we're doing a song where there's bass but i'm not playing on it but that's okay they're that's they're awesome. they're actually cool cool with being a band yeah you know <laughs> that's kind of what like the point of being a band it's it's the collaboration whether it be with your own instrument or whatever you know it's it's the process of creating a song and I don't know. It's just like people are just crazy for, for just like wanting to write one, one thing, one part, one instrument. It's just, it just doesn't seem as fun, you know, it's like just contribute more. I, I don't know. know. It's, it's just like, imagine, I don't know. Imagine like in the stones, you know, like imagine if, if they somehow got a, like a different guitarist and the Keith Richards wasn't playing the guitar, he'd be so pissed. Like there's no way that would ever happen because he's not, oh, no way. There's zero humbleness in that man. What's <laughs> it's all you know, ego? It's, so it's, it's it's just it's, it's it's cool to see bands that can that can work within itself. As long as the song sounds good, doesn't matter who played it. Yeah, and it tends to. I mean, if you notice too, it tends to be bands usually starting out, like their first like album or two. Album or two will be like that. It's more of a collaborative effort, and then as time progresses, it becomes more of like a one man show or a couple man show. You know, it's. I don't know. It's a shame. It's a real shame, especially when that that collaborative effort tends to be so good at times. It sucks. Yeah. Really does suck. It does. <clears throat> but anyway, um, Big Black Woman is my my four B. So, uh, do we have anything more on this one? No. Okay. No. Uh, what was your? Oh, well, I guess what's we can your, go with my two B. Huh? Yeah. What is your two B? My two B is ten seconds down. So. This one was just, it was a lot of fun because it has, has like the super heavy guitar riffs, but then that, that really high, those really high clean notes that are played through kind of random parts of the, the song. I don't know. I love it. And then it just picks up during the chorus. It's just this like really cool kind of like, I almost like push and pull. I, re- I really dig this song. This is my, this is such a banger for me. This is absolutely. Uh, this is my three B. Okay. This why, is, why is that? This started off just as another another riff written by Murphy. Like he wrote a mm-hmm. lot of the music, like a lot of the riffs, yeah. a lot of the melodies, a lot of the stuff he wrote. Mm-hmm. And and another thing too is like on the wiki page, it'll say that this whole album was, was written in drop D, which is not true. Yeah, I noticed that too. I, I read that on the wiki too, and then a Murphy said, "No, no I mean, he said that most of their songs are a half step down, if not." Uh, D. So he said some songs are tuned down to the the E's tuned down to a B. What is that? Two steps, two yeah. steps. I think a B is two. No, that's a C. Well, I I think I think like so. I don't know. Besides one song, everything else is just tuned down half a step, and then there are certain songs that are then turned tuned down to drop D. 
It's not okay. like the entire album. Not that like that, whatever for whatever that means. I just I just think that. I mean, there are there are certain bands. I mean, I just found out who who the fuck was it? Nirvana. Who's talking about Nirvana? Somebody was talking about Nirvana today. Like, get a drummer or something. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody was talking about Nirvana, and uh, damn, dude, I'm dying right now because I can't think of who it was. <laughs> but I was I was reading something where somebody was. Uh, Fuck! It's really bothering me. It is bothering me so much (laughs) because it's so cool. I I never knew this about Nirvana. Usually, never like focus on on this kind of stuff, but on on some tangent that's completely meaningless to what we're talking about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Man, this is so irritating. But anyway, the person I was I was watching or listening to or reading about was talking about kind of like this the the subjectiveness, the subjectivity of music and. Like you don't need to have somebody post like the exact tablature because like look at Nirvana. Nirvana is a band that would play early in their career in a certain tuning and then mm-hmm. like album after album after album would, would go lower and lower or higher and higher. And so they play the same song. They play about a girl and it'd be a normal tuning for their first album. And then, you know, it would come like two or like a couple of years later when they're touring They'd be they'd be tuning the guitars down like like three steps, and mm-hmm. play it completely different. Far, yeah, no, I I, I totally that's, get what you mean. That's I know that's weird. So I don't know how that that uh, goes back to this one because I completely but lost also my comparing it to to Kurt Cobain and and Nirvana and stuff like their their mindset was entirely different than most bands or or a lot of bands or like Sugar Ray for example like Kurt Cobain was was kind of like you know just like if it if it's not totally in tune then fuck it we'll just we'll play it like it doesn't like he never he never like wanted perfection in anything it was more of kind of like what the feeling was and that was pretty much it like he was it was nothing really more than just feeling and he wrote some amazing music because of it so it's a natural it's a natural progression though for any kind of musician to the better you get the more you experiment with not only just like different tunings, but different sounds, different effects. Yeah. A lot of people do start off on like an acoustic guitar or just they'll give, they're given an electric guitar with no amp. So you start off with just the basics and it's like a natural progression. The better you get, the more you practice, then you start to, you start to go places. And so that's why I think, I I think it was Caboose. That is like the only one in regular tuning because that was Shrinky Dink's song. And then once it became a band, once they got better, then they tune half a step down and then once they wanted to get really crunchy and a little bit heavier, then they started doing drop D. And so I think that is cool and I like that. And then I think you I think you touched upon it, but like the the high clean guitar riff that's under the, all the heaviness in here. <laughs> it shouldn't it, make any sense. It's weird. It's very corn. It's very, very corn. It's that's it's sure. it's high, it's clean, it's it just doesn't mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand it, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. And this is what I was talking about. This is that the first drum part is a drum loop. It's played by Stan, but it's just it's just looped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's like as 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 a as a seasoned drummer, as a professional drummer, that would fucking piss you off. Like I can just play the <laughs> loop. Like why not just let me play the loop? And say, like, well, no. Like we want Craig to like loop your drum part because it sounds cool, or Lethal thinks it'll sound better like this or whatever. If we got a little bit of effect to it, and it's like, okay, we'll just do it. And then Stan was was okay with it. And then through the fast parts, when when you know, the drum kicks in really fast and really really sudden, 
Like those mm-hmm. are back to like the live drums and then back to the loop for the verses. And I think that that is rad. That is cool. That is humble. That is uh that is taking one for the team type of mentality. Yeah, I agree. And bringing it kind of back to the songwriting too. Uh, when I was listening to Mark McGrath on that, that podcast with Krista makes, uh, he would, they were, he was talking a lot about how like, at the, like back then, at least back, like during the 1459 in Florida era, that everybody it was like a collaborative process. Everybody contributed, you know, everybody had their, their parts and their things. But he said that the primary songwriters, the primary, like, like the big songwriter out of the whole band was Stan, the drummer. Like he was the one who wrote like a lot of the, the really catchy riffs, the parts that you would never expect a drummer essentially to, to write. He was the one who wrote those melodies, the, the riffs, the whatever, you know? So like, I, I thought that was really interesting how he, he gave a ton of credit to Stan and then you bring up this whole drum loop part, like, like it, it is very humbling that he was like that he was just said, okay, yeah, just loop it, it's fine. I won't, I don't need to play it. It's, it just goes to show like his not only him being humble, but also his him playing to playing playing it as a song and not trying to show off or trying to. It's not. It wasn't like an ego thing. Yeah, and I thought the, I think that was I think that's fantastic. So, um. I'm going to play a little bit of 10 seconds down. So here it is from the sugar rays. Ten seconds down from Sugar Ray, and uh, man, those those fills leading into the uh, into that pre-chorus and chorus, dude, they're, they're just so they're so subtle. They're just they're so basic, but man, dude, it it makes <laughs> for just a cool sound and a cool song. And this band is sick. This band is sick, and this album is fucking fantastic. Really it's, fantastic. It's it's funny too because. This song I wrote, I wrote that that ending riff that they do. I was like, dude, that's very like rage sounding. 
Yeah. And then in the video, I swear in the video, Murphy talked about how like he writes a lot of riffs on the guitar first. So when it's translated to bass, they come off super low and heavy. And he loves Rage. And Timmy C is like a that too, yeah. huge influence on him. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like that it fucking makes sense. Like a lot of the things that you write sound like something Rage would do. And it's it's cool. It's so heavy. It's so yeah. rad. There's uh there, there's there's one moment on this record that kind of sounds like it was directly pulled from uh from Bullet in the Head from Rage. But I I'm sure I'm sure we'll get there. But uh so like lyrically on this one, it's kind of what I was dude, there's a fucking train just fucking going nuts next to the house. Maybe it's going to maybe it's going to hit somebody. Dude, I don't even it's like this this train is like way louder than normally. That's really obnoxious. You're pretty close to the tracks though. Like you're not that far. As a crow true. flies, you're not that far. No, it's true. You're you're totally right, but it But you're far from like a whistle though. Yeah, well I mean they, they don't they don't blow the horn. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to blow the horn in residential areas. So but no, it's just really fucking loud for whatever reason. Anyway, mm-hmm. um ten seconds down, yeah, the lyrically, I mean this is uh, maybe just him having sex with a girl and him, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, reaching reaching climax a little too quickly. That's kind of what I got here lyrically. I I, I don't know his, his lyrics. I just don't really care for at all. I think really this I, I think this entire album is 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 uh, I think Mark just likes to pump himself up. I think Mike Mark likes to hype himself up, and I just I think he likes to just. Uh, Maybe like a lot of it was just ad libbed, and he's just doing it on the fly because you're right. There's nothing really deeper anywhere here. Yeah, but a lot of stuff is is it's fun. It's fun to sing along to, and it's funny. It is. It's more about the energy and the how that's how that comes off rather than the actual lyrical content. I think the lyrics are just there to have lyrics. They're not. They're not there for any sort of like real substance. Yeah. Who knows though. Yeah. Who knows? I'm not Mark McGrath. I don't know the guy. I'd like you? to meet him someday. He seems like a cool dude. Thought you were. Well, you never know. Uh, so what do you got for your 3B? That was my 3B, 10 seconds down. Oh, that was. That was. That okay. Was. okay. That's yeah. right. That is right. That so that leaves right. That leaves me with my 3B. Uh, this my my 3B is Rhyme Stealer, the second Rhyme song. Rhyme Stealer. Rhyme Stealer. This is a this is a solid one. And I do, I do want to mention this before we we continue that I feel like the lyrics in this song uh, talk about other talk about bands ripping off other bands' styles and sounds, and then they kind of do that on this entire record. So I don't know if this is him kind of like like a poke at the band themselves or just him being completely oblivious to what they're actually doing. I really so think I, I really think that this band knows what they are they know that they are just kind of like a joke but mm-hmm. it, i mean they're really good at being a joke but i i don't i don't think at this point mark took himself seriously and i yeah i, I think this is another hype song this is like mark talking about just how much fun he's having and everyone else tries really hard and it's just he's just kind of like going away or like a roundabout wave just, he wants to have fun yeah you're you're right i i i, I think you're right and then it's it's also them just being self aware on top of it. It it really is. I think they're they just they just know what they are and they don't try to like hide it and they're just very upfront. Like I don't know. They're cool. They're just cool, man. 
Yeah, because there's, so I mean, cool. dude, he's, he steals so much from other singers. And like Les Claypool was just one, but I hear Beastie <laughs> Boys on there and other times. Oh, I hear Alice in Chains. I hear, in this song specifically, Rhyme Stealer, I hear a lot of Chili Peppers and a lot of Vandals. In yes. This one. I, I like definitely a ton hear like, of that. I definitely hear like Chili Peppers. So I, this band does take from like everybody. Yeah, they That's totally fine. do. Uh, the, I mean, this song too. It's they it had that that chugging guitar, the really really chugging guitar. But then once the the chorus hits, it's like straight out of a Chili Pepper, like '80s Chili Peppers. Murphy played guitar in this one. Did, was it this one of the ones he played guitar on? Yeah, he played the guitar in this one. <laughs> so, so rad! It's like, so how sick. cool is that? Dude? Like Ronnie's a really good guitarist, mm-hmm. and he's just like, okay, yeah, you can play guitar. I'm gonna fuck. And then he just like constantly praises uh, Rodney too, which is which is really cool, you know. Yeah, it's like it seems like everybody has each other's backs. Even like even though these guys aren't in the band anymore, because I hearing Mark talk on that podcast, he spoke like very positively about the guys in the band, even though they're not in the band anymore. Like he was just always very good with about everybody, especially about Stan. Like he always spoke very highly of him on the pod. Which is really cool. Like, you just you don't see that a lot. You you just see a lot of bad blood usually. But yeah, it wasn't the case with with Mark. And I mean, I don't know how these other guys feel, but even Murphy in in these videos, he doesn't speak ill of anybody. He anybody at all actually. He's just a cool dude, man. The coolest. So, uh, yeah. So that's my three B. Should I play a little bit of it? Yeah. So we can get that that Chili Peppers vibe to it going or. She a Chili boy? Peppers and uh, and Vandals. I got a lot of Vandals too, especially like after the first listen, I picked up a lot of Vandals. So here's a Rhyme Stealer from uh, Sugar Ray. Now it's time for get 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 guitar center stage. <laughs> Oh, 
There you go. Rhyme Stealer from Sugar A. The second track from the from the whole album. So good. So so good. Um this this song like speeds up and slows down like three or four times. It's it's exciting. It's it's it is. so rad. You almost get a little solo there, the guitar solo, then it, it goes into like a DJ solo. Totally <laughs> jukes really you. Cool. Yes, that, that that bridge and breakdown is it's so solid. It's it's such a good like uh like thesis statement for this entire record because it, it, it's a little bit of everything in this song minus like the uh kind of the slower jams but it's pretty much this is this is what you're going to get on the record well and it and comes it, dude it comes off snug harbor and snug harbor is a joke song that they wrote just to have fun this was uh they they just they they, they thought it was stupid they thought it sounded dumb and they thought it would be fun to stand around in a circle and clap together and just <laughs> sing stupid things it's a it's yeah. a self hype song and it makes no fucking sense. But then you hear like the next two records by Sugar Ray and it makes complete sense. And yeah, I love the sequencing between Snug Harbor and Rhyme Stealer. Snug Harbor is a fantastic opener to Rhyme Stealer. It is, and I, Murphy talking about it in the video. He said, "Yeah, it was just a a loop that Lethal had found, and he played it, and we thought, okay, that's really cool, and that's kind of just how it started. And like you said, yeah, they just stood around in, in a circle and clapped and." kind of yelled and made noises and like, it's just so silly but and he said and he said like the point was like to make it sound like a game show and just it's so dumb it's so silly but damn it fucking worked well and then so so like the the chugging guitar part in rhyme stealer it, it's good but it's it's still kind of like a basic riff but then that that transition from the chugging into like the more you know the more riffier part it's not only does like the the pace change, but it's just like I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like that 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 entire transition is like one of the coolest parts of this record is the chugging into that that kind of open riffage part, and it speeds up. I don't know if it speed does it speed up. Do you think it does, well, the, or is the it just drums, like the drums just kind of double time it, and then okay, so maybe the that's what it is. Yeah. And then everybody yeah. kind of like follows along, but it doesn't actually speed up. It it's doesn't. Just, yeah, it, the tempo doesn't change. It just it, it makes you think that it's changing. It makes you think that it's speeding up, and then like the gang vocals back and forth. Like the vocal lettering here is so cool. There's it a is. lot of back and forth, and like the finishing lines, like like you know like the Beastie Boys era, like the hip hop yeah. of this era. Like like let's finish each other's sentences type of thing. Let's go back and forth. There's a lot of that in this. Yeah, totally. And I love totally. it. Totally. And that and that that melody that da na 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 is very Chili Peppers of this time. It's very, very much that, and except like with less funk. It's like a less funky version of the Chili Peppers, which yes. is super rad. Super, I, super dude. Rad. Like that's that's funny too, because somebody somebody in one of the comments for one, because there's not a lot of comments for these like videos, like you said. So I, I as I was watching these videos, I was also kind of reading the comments. Somebody at some point had said this album reminds me of like a not good Chili Peppers. <laughs> but they said it in a way that was very like complimentary, because dude, the Chili Peppers are really good at this time. And they were, yeah. Even Murphy was like, wow, like calling us like a not good chili peppers is a great compliment. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> like you can't you can't replicate that sound. And so no, to say you're like a not he didn't say like not good. He said you're like you're like a chili peppers that weren't as good at your instruments or something like that. And so they, okay. they, Murphy was Murphy was like, Yeah, we all love them. They, but thank you so much for saying we're like a not good chili peppers. That's <laughs> awesome. 
but they still hold that. But they, I, I see what you're saying. But it's also like they still have that excitement that the Chili Peppers had at the time, in the in the eighties and early nineties. It was. Oh man! No, they, it's they, good. These it's guys good. are like these guys are like the Chili Peppers. Just they they were never complex. Yeah, that's true. They didn't have all crazy funky bass lines, weird guitar playing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. They also didn't have Rick Rubin producing their records. Sugar Ray didn't. <clears throat> well, but well, what? You know, that's fine. <laughs> Rick Rubin's okay. got to produce everything, so you know. well, he pretty much has produced everything. That's cool. Uh, so, what's your four B? Oh no, wait, you already said your four B. Rhyme Stealer was my four B. Oh, I thought it was something else. Okay, no, Rhyme Stealer is my four B. My five B is the next track, Iron Mike or Iron Mike. Okay. Is that's People. my 6B. 6B. So, so yeah, yeah. let's get into that. This uh, this starts off like a jam song. Simple stuff, you know, very basic chord progression. Murphy even acknowledges in the video and embraces the simplicity. Mm-hmm. And and he kind of like brings up a good point and he, he's, he was just kind of like, you know, there's only so many fucking notes and chords in existence anyway. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's, it's yeah. about delivery. It's about how you kind of integrate those those simple progressions with your band how everybody feeds off each other and like that that's what sugar ray is sugar ray is a band that doesn't really do a whole lot of complex stuff they're very basic they're very dumbed down but the way they can kind of groove with each other is like what makes them so great yeah you're totally right totally right on that uh so this song too this is the this is the one that i kind of referenced earlier that it sounds so much like bullet in the head that that chord progression is, is the faster part of, of bullet in the head. Like to the, it's well, probably the same the four notes. A dee, 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 You know, rage just churches up a little bit, but yeah, a little bit. It's probably the same four notes. Yeah. It's, it's no, you're totally right. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, like I'm in my mind, thinking in your mind. Yeah, I don't think anywhere else but my mind. <laughs> just, <laughs> but it's probably you're turning insane. into Sloan. You're I turning know, into it's Sloan. so annoying. <laughs> oh God! Like I'm walking with my feet. Like I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, I'm thinking of my mind. Yeah, it's probably the same four <laughs> notes. This rage, yeah. Timmy C churches it up a little bit. So, uh, it's it's so yeah that that one really caught me. The first first listen through. I mean, I've heard this record before, but really getting into it. Um, yeah, that was like the first thing I noticed about this song was bullet in the head through and through. And I mean, that, that's not a bad thing because it, 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 they do make it their own. It's not like a, just a blatant ripoff, but it is, it's still very much sugar Ray and sugar Ray of this era of this album. So, and then lyrically too, it's, it's about Mike Tyson. <laughs> I mean, as simple as that. Mike Tyson was on top of the world at the time. He was the, the, what was it? Like the youngest heavyweight champion of all time. 21 under 21 and yeah so and just to write a song about mike tyson like what a time to be alive right this one this one kind of this one kind of irked me a little bit though because it, they made it seem like they're defending mike tyson because don't forget mike tyson like went to prison for like raping somebody yeah that's true and mike tyson is not a good dude and we kind of forget that because he's in movies, he's in The Hangover, he's really funny, talks with mm-hmm. a lisp, like everybody loves mike tyson right Mm-hmm. But he's kind of a dick. Like he had a kind of a shit upbringing, but he's also kind of a douche. 
True. And this Very song true. kind of almost like was defending him a little bit. It seemed like, I don't know. A little bit. But then um, also the the way people treated celebrities back then is much different nowadays. You know what I mean? It's like people were, for lack of a better word, people were more, what, oh, fuck. What am I trying to say? Woke? No, but back then they were more relaxed. They were they were easier. People were more people were easier to just kind of like brush things off and just kind of just say, okay, whatever. Well, we still like them. Like they, I don't know. People nowadays they they like to bring up everything and they like to just. I guess, for lack of a better word, it's it's woke. Yeah. Well, then I was not to I say was, what he did was ever good or great or like you know the stuff they did was atrocious, raping people and. All that stuff is absolutely awful, but people back then were more accepting of that. I, which is like so I, I was I was reading a little bit more about like Tyson's trials and, and tribulations in the nineties, and one of the guys that was part of like his his council is this dude named Alan Dershowitz or some fucking scumbag, but mm-hmm. he has ties not only to like the Dream Team with Johnny Cochran who defended uh, Simpson. But then also, yeah. like, he was accused of, like, sex trafficking children. And one of the earlier, or if not the earliest, Virginia, the one that uh, first kind of alleged the sex trafficking for Jeffrey Epstein, this guy was also mentioned, the guy who also really? helped defend Mike Tyson. And it's like, dude, these guys have been scumbags since probably since, since like, the fucking 1700s, 1600s. I don't know <laughs> who the Freemasons are. I don't know. But bringing it up to the Freemasons, yeah, dude. Like they're probably all fucking weirdos. You see the Moose Lodges everywhere. The Moose Lodge is probably some weird fucking place people go. I don't know. I don't know, Tyler. But it's a fraternity. It's a it's a fraternity. It's oh yeah. More than that. Oh sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Famous part fam- of famous last words, right? It's just a fraternity. Hey, it's just a bunch what... of guys like to hang out naked. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> So you know, for whatever that's worth, I just I thought that was interesting. That's a nice little little tidbit for you. Yeah. But Iron Mike, track three, um, the part where in the beginning where he says I'm waiting, that was mm-hmm. like an actual part by Roddy, the guitarist. Like he was upset, irritated during the recording or the rehearsal, and he was like yelling at everybody to hurry up. So like, what do you do when you're in a band? You <laughs> record it and you fucking put it on record and make fun of them forever. They make for fun it. of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it like that's that's dude that is that's why you join a band right it's for things like that yeah and that's why you have like idiot friends because (laughs) you know they'll just make fun of each other oh that's great (laughs) it's so good because i mean that is seriously some shit we would do like we would just keep that and just make fun of each other for years i mean we have jokes dating back you know 10 15 years that we still we still talk never about forget we're like elephants we never forget like, <laughs> we n- never forget never ever i mean but that what i mean ryan ryan grew up on movies and we still ryan grew up on that. movies yeah so yeah. he so he, he knows did. everything about movies because he grew up on them and that, we'll never like, let him down that never breeds humbleness though like making fun of somebody breeds humbleness and and i can see it dude i can see it in, in kids today they don't like to be made fun of and I mean, there is a line between making me yeah. fun of somebody and just being a bully, but any kind of like like heckling is now just considered bullying. Mm-hmm. And these kids do not like to get made fun of. And like my kids don't like to get made fun of. Their friends don't like to get made fun of. But they like to make fun of other people. 
<laughs> and so yeah. that's, you know, you got you to gotta humble them down. Yeah. And then you make fun of them. So. I make fun of everybody, yeah. It's just, yeah, that's true. Very true. Life's funny, okay. man. People are funny. People are idiots, too. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> here's, I'm going to play a little bit of Iron Mike. So here it is from uh, Sugar Ray. There you go, Iron Mike from Sugar Ray. Dude, it, that, that chord progression, it, it, it's not the, it's not the, it's the, the bridge leading into the heavy part of Bullet in the Head that they lifted it from, it sounds like. It's so yeah. good though. I still like it. Yeah. This, this uh, when, when watching him, when watching Murphy talk about this song, it was interesting because he, he said that he had, uh, he had kind of wished he he followed the guitar when the guitar comes in and just like the really fast he had wished he had done the bass part that fast as well because at the very end of the song he does match the pacing of the guitar with the bass but in the first like two or three times he doesn't and the bass is still like boom 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 while the guitar is and then i think like that comes with that just comes with like practicing and jamming, right? Like that just comes with, with age almost playing music. You think like you want to, you want to have like a natural progression of your song. You want to build it up to the end. So finally when the bass does match the guitar, it's this huge like theatrical thing and it sounds really good, but they don't build it up in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, that just comes with age. That just comes with like being a band for, they, they were already a band for so long, but they didn't have a lot of experience being a band, especially recording because recording yeah. is, is something entirely different than playing shows, you know, They're two wildly different monsters. So he said live every time they did it, he would always match the guitar pacing with his, uh, with the bass. Yeah. I, I remember him talking about that one too. It's crazy how much we've learned just from watching Murphy's videos. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought I already knew a lot about this record and then watching all of his videos today, right? Like right, literally right before we started potting. Like I, I just, it gave me kind of a different perspective on this entire record, which is really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah, it's so. it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I think... <laughs> Like on the surface, is this record is so basic and it's just so like dumbed down from any kind of alt metal of this era. Like you just think of some of the greats, right? Some of the some of the huge bands that were doing any kind of like new metal or any kind of alt metal at this time. Yeah, some of the multi million selling records that came out here, and you just think like these guys also did the same sound. Yeah, they really did. Yeah you got to dig a little deeper for the layering, but it's, it's still kind of there. There's still some things that are there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also a shame too. Like we, we talked about earlier, it's, you know, a lot of this style that they were playing is, is just buried within the hits because nobody knows them outside of their hits for the most part, unless you really, really want to dive deep. Nobody has ever heard of it. Yeah. So it's, it's like when when you listen to corn, like, Pretty much everybody's first impression of Corn is Freak on a Leash, Got the Life, Blind. So then you know what Corn's going to sound like. But with Sugar Ray, it's not the case at all. Like, fucking every morning, Fly, that's what you think this band's going to fucking be. But no, not their first three records. No way. It's the complete opposite of that style. Dude, comparing, like, Mean Machine to Someday is it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> it's insane, right? <laughs> How is this the same band? <laughs> I almost think like I wonder who their manager was. That that's got to be like a managerial fault for marketing this band as a someday band instead of just like a really good kind of like alt metal band. Yeah, that's true. That's very right? true. Because he, obviously they did a shit job marketing them as an alt metal band, especially in the mid '90s when the whole new metal thing was blowing up. He didn't do a very good job at that. Assuming he was a he. And then didn't do a very good job of marketing their pop music because, you know, their pop music sucked And <laughs> after 1459. Yeah, after 1459, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I they were playing pretty decent-sized shows when they were playing this style of music. On this record in 1459, they were playing not like big venues, but, I mean, for what it was, it was, they weren't like just playing to like 10 people. They were playing to fairly decent crowds so no i i i uh, agree i i think that you know like they they probably could have sold out like house of blues yeah in in anaheim but i mean they wouldn't have sold that house of blues in tennessee <laughs> they never would have sold that house of blues i mean obviously there's no house of blues in tennessee maybe i don't know or like they would have sold that house of blues like uh paris they're like a okay. regional <laughs> band from southern california and just because they've toured with a lot of other big bands, they get a little bit more recognition. But like honestly, like if there was a House of Blues show in nineteen ninety eight, Tennessee, they would have sold it out. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Even after Fly, like there's no way. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um I don't know, Jerry. Jerry. Do we okay, so that was your what was Iron Mike? Was your five B? That was my five B. Your five B. Okay, okay. Um, what do I got for my five? Did I do my four B? I did my four. Yeah, my four B was a uh, big, big black woman. So my five B is uh, "Hold Your Eyes." 
Hold your eyes. Yeah, coming. I mean, we're, we're doing. We're we're just going one after the other here. That's so. crazy. Yeah. So what, wait, an, what's crazy? That is not a banger for me. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, I I the, like this because what it, the fuck. It came on. I think it was because like the way it was sequenced. So you have these these two heavy songs, and then you get into this kind of like, just like falsetto style vocals, and it's just kind of like a softer little jam with some cool bass lines, just a really simple guitar part. And it's a loop. I, yeah, I know. Come to find out, you know, it, it was a loop, but it was still really cool. <laughs> it was yeah. still really rad. And uh, and then you know after watching Murphy's videos. He was saying that they rarely played this live and it was only in Europe for like a, only a few months. Outside of that, it was never really played live. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was about this. I think it was just a nice relief from from those last two songs, which are just so kind of frantic and energetic. So it was nice. And then this is an example of, I feel like Mark McGrath taking um, a lot of... Uh, a lot of Steven Tyler's vocals from Aerosmith, like early okay. Aerosmith, not not like ninety shitty nineties Aerosmith or late eighties Aerosmith. I'm talking like good, se- better seventies Aerosmith, because he has that, just that 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 kind of like tone that Steven Tyler used to have before he changed. But I don't know if you picked that up at all. But that's what I got. I I can I can hear it now. I can hear it. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Just kind of, kind of like the little like fluctuations in his voice when he's singing, because he is singing in a more falsetto for him, for his his range. So it's like, I don't know, and that's kind of how Steven Tyler was back in the seventies. He's singing a much higher range than he did did in the nineties up until now, which makes sense because you know age makes you, you know, changes things. But I don't know. Hold your eyes, man. I don't know what it is. It just it really got me. It was really good, really solid I, stuff. Color me surprised because this is this is a goof song. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. It, I mean, because lyrically, it's just talking about like you know hitting it, hitting it, hitting and quitting it with a girl. This, yeah, this is a silly sexual song. Yeah, written I mean, by guys most of the in songs like, are like this. late twenties, and that's yeah. cool, I guess. And it's just a song for Mark and Rodney to kind of goof off and sing to. Yeah, and it was fun. It's not I bad. It. It's just uh, it's a goof song. <laughs> I enjoyed it. My five B, my five B okay. right there. All right, well, I won't play well. it though. I won't play it. I don't have. To Do play you it. play if you want to play it? No, it's fine. I won't play it. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna play it because <laughs> it's just so different. So, here's a hold your eyes from Sugar Ray. <laughs>
There it is. Hold your eyes from Sugar Ray. What a cool jam. What a chill, cool jam. <laughs> I don't know why you hate it so much. No, I, I think I think it's just that. I think it's a, I think it's a goof song. I, I think it's fun. I think it serves its purpose. But like to call it a banger, I think is. Uh, I think it totally is. Uh, I just you know I live life on the edge, and you know it's the way she goes. Okay, all right. And the way she goes. That is fine. So, so that leads to your six B, right? Yeah, six B. What's Wait, your five no, B? What's my five B? I don't know what your five. I don't oh, know. I, I guess I have two five Bs. Wow. Okay. Well, I fuck that <laughs> up. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> well, my my other five B <laughs> is Caboose. Caboose. Okay. Okay. Let's get into that. Right. That's not a B for me, but that's okay. Kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. The video, that was a Shrinky Dink song, regular tuning. Yeah. It's the one that got him a record deal. Uh, I don't know. It's a cool riff, cool bass slides. This is um this is another one where Mark's vocals reminded me of uh, Steven Tyler, early Steven Tyler as well. He, he sings in like a higher register and kind of, the, like I said, the fluctuations in his voice is very Steven Tyler to me. So hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. I don't know. You didn't think so? I mean, I I only have I have two I have two I have actually f- the first two Aerosmith records and uh, I don't know I I guess you don't, you don't hear it. I just think Aerosmith's stupid. So I don't, <laughs> I, maybe I just don't I just don't care. I don't even know why I still count. I should have purged those a long time ago. I mean, I'm not a big Aerosmith man, but you know they're they're cool. Whatever. Eh. Would never have the record get any of the records, but whatever to me. Yeah, so, they're whatever's. So I mean, caboose. Do we want to play it? Do we want to? What do we want to do here? No, that's fine. Because it was my second, my five B parentheses A. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. No, let's. Uh, okay. what, so what's my six B? Let's do my six B. Let's see. What do you got? So I got to scroll. Okay. Well, there it is. I guess I don't have a six B, so that makes sense. Okay. So that was probably your six B then. Was, yeah, well, was this caboose. Is fun. so my my 6b was iron mike so what what was what do you got for your 7b my 7b which it it is my last b uh danzig needs a hug that's my 7b too yeah danzig needs a hug that's totally my 7b (laughs) (laughs) so i mean just not so you watch the video not just yeah not just like the story behind it of supposedly somebody had given it to somebody who had given it to Zan Danzig and said like, Hey Danzig, Sugar Ray wrote a song about you. What do you think about that? And Danzig would just said, Sugar Ray can suck my dick, <laughs> which He's is just completely embedded in, in, in lore. And who knows if he said that, but realistically, yeah, that sounds like something he would say. Yeah, totally. Totally. But this is uh, this is cool. This is a song they wrote at DJ Lethal's house. It's a loop song, and and it's just a cool song to let Roddy Noodle around on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's uh, the the melody from the chorus. There's something about it that's lifted from something else, but I cannot, I can't put my finger on it. Do you know? Have you, did you think of that, or did you think of anything? I didn't put anything in my notes. No. There's, I don't know what it is. I I cannot. I was thinking about it all day, and I could not. Could not think of what that that reminds me of or what it sounds like, but oh. otherwise, it's. I mean, this is a really cool, slow down, laid back song. It's solid. It's solid. This is, 
like this is this is like the type of joke song that I like because there's a lot going on. There's it's got hip hop, blues, R and B. Like it's fantastic. They're, they do so many different sounds here, and it's so good. Yeah. And like the last line that's repeated, that I feel like the next contestant that Mark says. Mm-hmm. I think that is entirely Sugar Ray. I think that is Sugar Ray, right? When you're the next mm-hmm. contestant on something, like the anticipation, the hunt, that high is better than being like the contestant. The The, the anticipation is better than the release. And mm-hmm. I feel like Sugar Ray has always been the next contestant. And when they were the contestant, you know, come their self-titled, they fucked it all up. And it was it was absolutely terrible. Like like imagine watching The Price Is Right, right, and then and then seeing Sugar Ray bidding, and they're like a dollar off every time. Like that's the best part, and you root for that person. You never forget that person. But yeah. then like a contestant that that gets the price on the money, and then comes up and then loses in the first round. Like you fucking you don't remember that person. Who cares? They're gone forever. It's the anticipation, man. It's I feel like the next contestant. That is Sugar Ray. Yeah, I can, I can, to- I totally see what you're saying there. They're Absolutely. always trying to be bigger, and then they got bigger, and they fucked it all up, and it was awful. And you're like, damn, I wish you guys were going back to wanting to be bigger. <laughs> they need that drive, I guess you could say. Yeah, the anticipation is better than the release. Uh, yeah, that, I, it's true in some cases. Uh, so here's a here's a little bit of a Danzig needs a hug from Sugar Ray. Danzig needs a hug from Sugar Ray. So even even the lyrics in that chorus, they're they're taken from another song. The until the day I die, what is that from? Do you know what I'm talking about? Until the day I <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah, they 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 went they traveled in the future and stole the that from <laughs> Story of the Year. Oh my God, what is that? It's fucking driving me insane. I don't like, know. That it's melody just, is I, directly from another song. Touch the sky won't come back till the day I die. Uh-oh. Oh my god, I know what it is. This is like, oh my god, this is worse than the Katy Perry thing from one of the other songs. <sighs> anyway, I don't know, whatever. Okay. 
I'll figure All it out. Right. I'll let you know in sure la- at a later time. Keep us posted. <laughs> so Danzig needs a hug. Do we got any more on this one? Nope. Okay. Uh, so you got no more bangers, right? No, I, I have. No. I mean, there's a lot of songs here that are damn close to bangers. Should be bangers, but they're kind of joke songs. Whatever. I agree. Uh, but when I wanted, one I wanted to touch upon briefly was uh, the song Scuzz Boots. What's your 6B? What, my 6B was... Um, did oh you my say God. your 6B? No, I did. I, my 6B was Iron Mike. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then my 7B was Danzig Needs a Hug. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but Scuzz Boots, what that actually was, I guess they made it up. It was like their own word. And did you read about this? Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's totally... It, <laughs> It's when when you have a broken or like the drain in your shower doesn't work, so the water collects as you're showering. <laughs> Makes total sense. You, I fucking hate that too. It does because we've all everybody's been through. Yeah, it. it's happened. And then to when everybody. you when you get out of the shower, there's that line of water on your ankle because you were in, you were standing in a giant puddle of water. You can't uh, actually get clean. You're essentially taking a bath on your feet. You can't get clean. So you got your scuzz boots on. Oh, it's great. I'm going to start it's, using that like forever now. It, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, overall that song though, it's just a, kind of like a slower song. It's almost on the verge of like a dub kind of song. It's a loop track. Yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it. But then it also has a ver- a lot of uh, R&B of that mid 90s era that I sounded kind of cool too. But it's a good one. I, I mean, every song on here is good. There's not, there's not a dud. Not a dud. You can't name a dud. What do you think about Drive By? The skit? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Okay, so like I, I like this this execution I like. I don't like skits that often, but if you're gonna throw like a like an instrumental track behind your skit, I'm all for it. Yeah. All for it. Did. And like it's a joke song and then dude, Mark on the speakerphone, on the on the drive through speakerphone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> like there is no fucking way this would be tolerated today. There no, is absolutely no way. no way. But holy shit, dude, when he sings that Mexican song, <laughs> da, 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 da. I know. Dude, I just I lose it. I fucking laugh so hard. This is like this is on par with the with the Feldman phone call in uh, Goldfinger's Goldfinger. <laughs> oh, this yeah, is yeah. so yeah. funny. It is so stupid, it's so silly. <laughs> And the, and then you know what he like because we've grown up in this area, and we know exactly what he's ordering and where he's ordering from. Yeah. Because it's like it's just like such a typical order from Del Taco, you know, the green burrito with extra green extra sauce, extra screened, yeah, extra sauce, and then and then with the chicken quesadilla. I mean, nowhere else do you get a chicken quesadilla from a fast food restaurant. You know, it's just like it's just so Southern California, so Orange County, such a bubble. I love it. I fucking <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. I thought it was it was a solid solid skit. Not I yeah. mean, but it isn't as funny as the the Goldfinger one, but it's still solid. It's yeah. it's really good. I I, really I don't think it. I honestly don't think I would have liked it as much had there not been like cool music behind it. Oh, totally. The music makes it. Absolutely makes it. That's so rad. Ah, oh, gosh. What a what a fucking sick album. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> so, do we want to talk about anything else, or do we want to wrap it up and give our rating? No, I just uh, I do want to say that Dance Party USA. He's uh, he's definitely oh, channeling his too. his Nick Hexum from Three Eleven here. 
Uh, there's a lot of Beastie Boys, like in Streaker. He's sounding like he's mm-hmm. a Beastie Boy here. So I do, I do think that it's all intentional. I do think he's ripping people off because he likes their music, not because he wants yeah. to sound like them. Because uh, th- there's so many, there's so many different things that he's doing, and and I mean Beastie Boys to a clear Les Claypool to 311. And 311 had just come out with like one, maybe two albums by this time. Not even their yeah, biggest hits. Right. Down wasn't released. Uh, Amber wasn't Down released out, yet. I think Down came out a year after this. I think it came out in 96. Yeah, like 311's two biggest hits from like, are from like their third or fourth album. Well, Amber came out, I think, in 2002. Way, so way that was later. Like way later, yeah. yeah. But. So it's, uh, it's, no, it's cool, man. So like, are we doing, are we doing final thoughts here? Yeah, no, let, let's let's do okay. final thoughts. Let's, yeah, let totally. Me, let me bleed into it. I I uh this is rad. I, I just I just had a really good time with this and and uh there was another story too that he was that that Murphy was saying that they had a van with no seats in it in their beginning days prior to lemonade and brownies and there were no seats in it, no seat belts, and they would just drive around oh, yeah. doing shows and, <laughs> and they called it the meat wagon. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you immediately think of Tommy Boy? Of course. Here comes the meat wagon. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. And it's just like, dude, this band this band existed for one purpose, and that was just to have fun. Absolutely. Like the music the music clearly came second. And I think it I think it's awesome. I I man, I fucking just I just I wish people would like this band more. The early band more. And not to say there's not not anything to like after 1459 because there there are bits and pieces here and there, but uh, I think this band had something special, and we just you don't hear this that often. You don't hear it that often where a group of guys who are pretty good at their instruments but not virtuosos, a group mm-hmm. of guys who can write decent music but not like historic music can get together and and do something really special. Yeah. And I think I think that's what early Sugar Ray is. It's just something special, something a group of misfits. They remind me of the 2002 World Champion Anaheim Angels for oh the baseball God, team. Dude, no. Just a group of misfits, just a, a, a group of guys that worst. came together <laughs> who weren't like the best. You know, like Eckstein, also uh, married to Ahsoka, the voice of Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, a, the, Troy Gloss was like really the only great person on the team but everybody else was just kind of like a group group of misfits they, they came together they played scrappy and they came out on top that's that's kind of how i that's kind of how i see sugar ray okay <laughs> you use that example <laughs> so much because <laughs> i just like i like saying that long phrase i know the 2002 world champion and i'm angels yeah i like i like saying world champion because it makes it makes me sound like such a dick as if anybody gives a fuck about baseball outside of like us maybe like the Dominican Republic, Korea, Japan, and that's yeah. about it. Especially considering too, it's the Angels, and even less people care about that team. So <laughs> that makes it even better. Yeah, yeah. I I like saying that, but yeah, this 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 is a group of misfits came together and and did something really special. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think they could have honestly. I don't think they could have lasted longer doing what they were doing. I I feel just organically. As they growed, as they grew, as they growed, as they growed, self-titled <laughs> is probably like, no matter what, that was going to happen. Yeah, they were very of the time for sure. They just like what else would they have done? They like this is this is just a almost like a demo version of Floored, and then 
Florida is so different from 1459 because 1459 is like they hired Feldman to produce Florida and they came out in 1459 and it's just everything's so fucking different. I know. I, I, just, I, I totally I don't agree. I don't know. But yeah, whatever. So this is, this is a fantastic album. Um, it's not their best, mm-hmm. but uh, um, see, I'd probably give Floored 2.75. Oof. And then I'd probably give this 2.8. Really? Okay. Damn, yeah. that's way higher. Way higher than I thought. So if, if people out there listening still, if they don't know, we have a three-point rating system where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, but give it a shot. And then zero is a trash fire. So, um, so yeah, 2.8 is very, very high for you. That's, I'm surprised. Color I just, me surprised. I, I, I base I base things off of how much fun I'm having and how much fun I think the band is having. And fun doesn't have mm. to be like, ha, 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 but fun yeah. could also just be how how proud they are of what they put out. Because there are some yeah. albums out there that are that are good albums, but you know the band struggled to release and they fucking hate playing it. And it almost broke the band apart, right? So yeah, like that—that's not fun to listen to. Knowing that this almost destroyed friendships and families, like that's not—that's just not fun to me. Agreed. So agreed. Knowing knowing how much fun I had listening to this, knowing how much fun this band had listening to or making this album, yeah, it's a two point eight. Okay, that's totally fair. Totally fair. Uh, my final thoughts: this this album is very of its time. The the new metal, the alt metal. And that's not even a negative thing. Like they were, they were doing this really well, it, and it just the the excitement, the fun of it all, just really translates into the music. And uh, I mean, I I really have nothing negative to say. It was just an absolute blast listening to this record to Floored. It's just this band. They really, they really had something fun and just super, just fun. Like fun is the best word to use for these two, first two records. And, uh, and yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, we, we've talked about this, this album to death. Um, but I'm gonna have to give this album a 2.75. Just it's solid. This and floored 2.75, 1459. I give it two and a half. So solid, solid stuff. Florida and lemonade and brownies barely. I mean, th- those two can easily fight for the top spot for me, but Florida is still better. But regardless, fantastic album i wish more people appreciated this this era of the band because it's truly i wish uh, it was fucking readily available on the vinyls because yeah that, there's that that's too. irritating <laughs> i know right it's super expensive I'll, the one pressing that's ever been done and it sucks because it, in in about a week it'll be the 26th anniversary of the release so they they didn't they did nothing cool for the 25th anniversary i know which i mean i guess makes sense because it was like when all this coronavirus shit started, but it's, it's just, yeah. it's so forgotten. It was, I know. it was forgotten, you know, when 1459 came out. It's true. I, I honestly had no idea they had, I'd never knew this record existed until maybe 10 years ago. So yeah, it's truly forgotten, truly, truly forgotten. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So uh, do we have anything else to talk about? No, it's not that. (laughs) (laughs) Do we we have anything else to talk about? No, that's it. Uh, Okay, well, um, so 
yeah, go to go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Uh, stay tuned for next week's episode because it's probably going to be a doozy, and uh, I can't wait. I just can't wait for next week's episode. So yeah, I, that, that's all I got. So okay. that's it. That's all. There we go. Some people change when life will rearrange, even when it's so far from home. A poop and pee. Poop and pee. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Milk, milk, lemonade. Round the corner, fudge is made. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, you're totally I mean, right. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind. Like I'm in my mind. You're thinking in your mind. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you were out but my mind. (laughs) (laughs) But it's probably turning into Sloan. You're turning into Sloan. It's so annoying. (laughs) Oh, God.